Formula Access, welcome. I've got a very special show for you guys today. I told you I'd be bringing the people of motorsports to your doorstep. And today we have a very, very special guest, Tatiana Calderon. She is a racer in her own right. Every opinion that I've ever had of her changed immediately upon this time that I got to spend with her. She's driven Formula E, Formula One, Formula Two, World Endurance, IndyCar. She started at karting. She began winning. We talk about all of this in this episode today. Guys, be patient. Listen to an unbelievable story of an unbelievable human that is taking the world of motorsports by storm. Guys, thank you. Looking forward to it. Appreciate it. Enjoy. Welcome, Ryan Hunt here, Formula Access. I told you guys I would be bringing the people of motorsports once again. We've got a very, very special guest, somebody that I've been trying to get on the show for, for a little while, and uh, we finally connected schedules uh, in her busy race schedule. Today, we have uh, Tatiana Calderon, a star in her own right, Formula One, Formula Two, Formula Three, Formula, um, Formula E, IndyCar. I mean, you, you name it, she's raced it. Uh, I am so excited to get into this story. Tatiana, thank you so much for being here. Hey, Ryan, thanks so much for, for the invitation, for sharing a little bit of my, my story today, and I'm super happy to, to be chatting to you today. I, I am excited. The, ple the pleasure is mine. Um, so, so my audience started out in America, and it is like 30% of my audience now. So I, I used to tell people, Hey, we're all from the U.S. and motorsports is really new to us. So, what you know? Who are you? And now it's 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 really it's really opened up again. It's only like three weeks old. So um, we've got we've got guests from all over the paddock, and I think that is really expanding our audience outside of uh, where where it began. So, just just to get started, you know, tell everybody who who you are and and where you are today in your journey. Okay, so um, I'm Tatiana Calderon. I'm 29 years old. I'm originally from Colombia, but like you were mentioning, I've been uh, racing all around the world you know, since I was nine years old. Um, a privilege, really, to <laughs> to be to be in that position to discover my passion so early. Um, I'm currently, or oh, I've been living in, in Spain for the last 10 years, although I was. I moved for um, like six months this year to, to the US, to Miami, um, because I was racing in IndyCar. But, um, you know, life is unpredictable and full of surprises. So I, I end up coming back to Formula Two this year. I still have a race um, to go in Abu Dhabi end of November. And I'm just here um, recovering and, um, and uh, pushing for, for the end of the season. You recently had an injury, right? Yeah. Okay. What? Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> how, what? What happened to those who aren't paying attention? Yeah. So um, we had three races in a row. Thankfully, it happened on the last one before the two-month break. So I was um, uh, in Monza, and I I crashed with with another driver. Uh, in my view, he crashed into me. 
and uh, <laughs> I wasn't really <laughs> expecting it and uh, expecting it and um, the steering will just um, yeah I think I, I don't know what I what I did or what I didn't do I didn't took the hands away from from the steering um, and it broke one of my uh, bones on on my uh, fingers so I have a four-week uh, oh. recovery to start rehab but at least you know it was a two-month break before the the next race so I have time to to get back into shape and, and to recover fully for for those of you that that don't know or are new to motorsports if you ever watch an accident or a car go off you immediately see the driver pull their hands away and the steering wheel goes nuts so this that's what happened yeah, technically, like I was not gonna let the wheel go because we were fighting like wheel to wheel. So I was not really expecting he he just opened the corner more than than he should, didn't give me space. So all of a sudden, um, yeah, suspension broke, but but the, the steering wheel just snapped on me, and uh, and that was like uh, on a on a Saturday and. I thought it was not broken, so I went to sleep. I didn't tell anybody. I was like putting ice because I wanted to race the next day. And uh, I woke up and it was very, yeah, like really big. And uh, my engineer came came to see it and he was like, think it's broken. You're crazy if you want to drive. So I, I had to, to go to the medical center and couldn't really make their, the Sunday race. So. You, That's you like can't sometimes. fake your way through that. I I tried putting my my glove on, but it wouldn't fit. Oh. So I and I I tried like two sizes bigger, and still <laughs> it was uh, it was not fitting in. Oh. I I still wanted to try, but you know the team they they were like, look, if it's not broken, then for sure you can try. But if it's broken, we'd rather you not do anything crazy to um, to just be competing, you know? So uh, I thought it was not broken. I went for a scan, but it was. So that was the end of my, my race. I love the warrior in people that are willing to, you know, I don't know, football players that play with broken bones and, you know, race car drivers that brace, race with broken, broken bones. I think Daniel Ricardo had a story where he, you know, during a preseason testing, he broke his arm or something dirt biking and, you know, helmet drilled into him and it was an uncomfortable conversation. So I, I, I applaud people that, you know, try to battle through that and let the team tell them not to race and not, not step aside. So, so we, we go way back. You, you don't, well, not way back, but you don't remember, but so as I first started really kind of digging into this podcast and, and kind of uh, deciding that I wanted to spend a lot more time in motorsports, I started making connections and contacts on social media and whatnot. And and uh, a friend of mine is a sponsor for Andretti Motorsports. So I went to St. Pete and I was like, oh, I'm going to St. Pete. I wonder if I can connect with anybody there. So I start sending messages to like the drivers and and anybody that I could I could get in touch with. And and you actually were the only person that responded. I think it was like a good luck, you know, go get them kind of message on there, but you were actually the only person that responded to that. And, um, and in that, in that race, I was, uh, I was on the grid with Mario. Um, 
while he was getting ready to take the two seater around uh, for one of the Olympians and uh, just said, hi, I don't imagine that you, you would remember the conversation, nor do I expect that, but um, just, just, that was my run in with Tatiana in the past. And what was that six or eight months ago, but, <laughs> but I, so I appreciated cool. that as a fan, I appreciated that. So um, thank, thanks for doing that. So going but back, I'm glad I did. <laughs> you don't remember. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah, that. It's just, that was my first weekend uh, in IndyCar. So I guess like, yeah, you're like overwhelmed with, with um, the, like the fans in, in America are incredible. Like I loved my time there and I met so many great people. So um. I'm sure uh, you you may. I'm, I'm happy we 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 reconnect. <laughs> me too. Me too. So okay. So all that to be said, how did you get here? Like, what is, what's your origin story? Like, how did you get into motorsports? Because you're you're from Colombia, correct? That's right. I am. I think my sister is responsible for that. Although, like. In my family, nobody has ever raced, but my dad was super fan of like um, cars and bikes and um, anything that had an engine and fuel. So um, I think, you know, I grew up like him wanting us to, to do different kind of sports as well. Um, and it, it really was when, when I was nine years old, where my sister took me to a rental go-kart track near our house in, in Bogota, in Colombia. And we bought a five-minute ticket and uh, we we fell in love with, <laughs> with speed, with adrenaline. So we were going there every day after school. And, you know, they made this uh, night championships and, and we started winning that. And um, it was by the time Juan Pablo Montoya was like reaching Formula One. He had already um, competed in IndyCar or Champcar, um, how it was called back then. And um, and it was like a big boom of, of racing in Colombia. And I think I come from that boom, but it, naturally, like it just, we just fall in love with it. I miss him on the track. I gotta say, I would there. I've never felt such disappointment in Formula One as when he left. I just, I, I like a warrior. Maybe, it, maybe it's the entrepreneur in me. Maybe it's, I don't know. I just, somebody that goes out there and, and is just a, a lone wolf warrior. I love that. So I'm glad to hear it. You're not the only story that I've come across where he's kind of um, your hero, your, your kind of quasi mentor. Do, do you, do you spend any time with him? Um. You know, it was part of this year was, it felt so surreal because I was like, I raced him in Indianapolis. Um, I battled <laughs> with him. At some point I overtook him. He, he then overtook me after, uh, but it was like, you know, you're racing your, your hero. And uh, honestly, he's always been super open, giving me advice, um, tips, um, particularly like you know we raced in the 24 hours of Le Mans together and the WEC championship a couple of years back uh -huh. and it's really nice when you are driving maybe not the same team I, I hope that one day we can share the, the same car uh, but a similar kind of car and then you know you can really talk about the details and 
and the feelings and and how much his experience honestly helped me with just little little tips here and there um so yeah it's been it's been an enjoyable journey in that sense and he's always been super nice to me it, it it's a conversation i actually have with a lot of young drivers so i have a 15 year old son that races go-karts as well not not to be in your shoes one day but to be kind of track side as an engineer and you know when when somebody gives him a tip that gets him through a corner faster can carry more momentum through it he just like he lights up it's like he becomes a different person and it you know it fires him up just i'm i'm watching you explain that and i see that same kind of light upness so i'm i'm glad to see that even the guys that have made it are still still doing that today with with drivers he's one of the good ones <laughs> so so going going back to 9 years old winning championships in karting how like how did you how did you go from a rental series to getting your own car like what was that journey like so there was a lot of convincing a lot of begging a lot of pressure um to convince my parents to to buy the the first go-kart so i i remember you know I, since 7 a.m in the morning i was like that i want to go kart i want to go kart please i'll do whatever it takes and and to my mom and and finally, um, we convinced them. And um, yeah, I remember like if, if it was yesterday to when we went to pick it up um, and we brought it back home and we just, you know, build it all apart, build it back together, maybe the wrong way. And that's how our real journey started. But it, it took a couple of weeks for them to like, you know, when you have nobody that has ever raced, um, you know, it was like learning from 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 zero. So um, just to to find out how we could, who we can talk to to buy the go kart and the competitions and 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 that's how we sort of started. Then we took like um, you know, to get the license um, a course, and then you connect with people that actually know a little bit more, and um, and then they can coach you in a way, and that's that's how we we really started. Uh, but at the beginning, like like everybody, you know, your dad starts to be your your mechanic, and um, you both sort of start to to understand how things work in the business, and um, and that's how we really really started um, going in in the easy cart was was the championship I started racing uh, first. How how long did it take you to grasp? set up on a go-kart i mean when your dad's the engineer i can attest to this because i i am trackside for hours just getting ready for the first practice and then when you can't find the time you spend more hours trying to find it and you know i'm i'm not a mechanic so you know i'm kind of just googling it and and asking for help and people are willing to help you until a point so if you're already challenging the other the other people out there like how hard was it to get help absolutely you know being also being the only two girls um that were racing so you know first day everybody smiled at you oh it's great to have girls here blah 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 they're all super helpful but the minute you start to be competitive you can see the changes on their faces and and the, the friendly advice is, is not there anymore. 
um, it they become frightened by by you and um, and that's how thankfully it came a little bit later um, but it's um, yeah I wouldn't say it's like an, an ugly feeling but a good feeling at the same time because you know that you're being taken seriously yet in karting I felt like those first years were like you, you doubt a little bit of what you're doing because people were saying that we were cheating, that I had a better go-kart, that, um, you know, they always try to blame something else for my performance. It could not be that I was training and I, that I was, I was getting better and, and being, uh, being better than, than the guys in, in the track. It was always about finding an excuse. So it was hard for me um, growing up, but... I, I love the challenge. I love seeing uh, the sad faces at the end of the weekend when you're, when you're winning in the podium and they're all looking at you like, what the hell is this girl doing there? Uh, so I, yeah, it, it soon became, we, we, I've always been very competitive, but, but it, the environment started to change once, once we started to be competitive. That's, that's such an, it, it, it's like that everywhere. It, it's always, uh, it's always the go-kart, you know, when it's never the, it's never the driver, you know, when, when my son is, is slow, it's always like, you know, dad, can we, you know, can we get a new set of tires? Maybe it's the tires or, you know, can we get a different gear ratio? Cause it's the gears, you know, I'm like, nope, nope, nope. You need more track time. That's, that's what it is. So I would, I, I find it funny that it's, if somebody can go out there and win, it's never talent. It's, you know, you're, you're doing something to the engine you're not supposed to or you're you know I don't you're doing stuff to the tires to make them stickier so plus you guys at this point I imagine have no idea what you're doing so like the thought of being able to bend the rules like that is uh it's also laughable so <laughs> yeah and no, I remember you know leading my first race and then the guy who was behind me just threw me out of the of the of the tracks so I didn't finish I was so pissed and my my dad was like don't worry you know there, there'll be more times and then second time happened the same and I'm like okay I gotta do something different so I just went out and I took everyone out <laughs> I didn't overtook anybody and since then I was like okay everybody's respect me a little bit better uh and and it was a lot of fun <laughs> so I think you know, you, ha you have to find your own way of how things uh, need to to work out. How, how long was he your mechanic before you brought a professional in or actually had a team behind you? I think the, the first, first couple of months until like, you know, you get to a point where where you need to start to make the right changes to the cooker <laughs> to, to be really quick. So we, um, we took somebody to to advise us uh, on on what to do you know like uh with the carburetor and with um the tire pressures and stuff like that so but it was always we wanted to sort of always had an input so I love the technical side of the sport and I think it's because because of those early um early years that we were doing it on on our own our supervising what other 
where our mechanics or advisors were were saying and and like you said just googling it and and asking and how does this work and why and um and then you you understand that you rather have everything under your control right like because in 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 uh, in racing you have so many things that you cannot control but what you can control it better be right and um, and we understood that very early now how long did you cart before you went into more of a open wheel proper series i think like 12 years of karting probably okay. um yeah that that was a long long career i went to i i competed in four um like rotex world championships and i did a lot of karting in america in stars of karting when it was um when it was called that way um a couple of years back a couple now like 10 12 years ago um but yeah it, i i did a lot of karting uh, but particularly in the u.s did you i mean were you all in i mean when you got your actual go-kart was this passion and determination to be, I mean, did you want to be a Formula One driver at that point? Or was this just connecting with your dad and having fun and doing something you enjoyed? I was always super serious about it because I knew, like I had done like soccer, golf, tennis, horse riding. Like I could not stop. Like I was a uh, sports, I'm, I'm still a sports lover. But when I tried karting, I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. And I, I knew straight away, it was just a matter of, of convincing my parents that I wanted to be a Formula One driver in the future. And obviously like this, this girl, okay, well, it, it will take a, a couple of months until she decides maybe she wants something else. But I was like super consistent and they could see that passion, that that desire to to go every weekend, every day after school to to go training, and um, I was very. I've always been super um, determined and super like I, I want to train everything. I want to be better every day, um, so they could see that drive in me, and I'm, I'm really glad they gave me the chance to to pursue that dream but of course it took a couple of I think until I won the first championship in the United States that's when they thought like oh my god this is sweet this is getting serious she won't be going to university so <laughs> I had my chance <laughs> every every parent thinks like that I I know I do as you know I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not a I'm not a school system person. So you know, if if my son my son or daughter wanted to be a race car driver and they said I'm not going to college, I'd be like, okay, if you got talent, go for it. So oh, that's that's a great attitude to have. That's the same as my my parents. Whatever you do, want to do, and you want to do it properly, we will support you. And that's that's the right attitude. And I think that's what what we need more. So happy to hear that that you support them, whatever whatever they decide to do. Well, I'm I'm still surprised that it took more than one question to your dad to get a go kart because I can't turn my daughter down for anything, anything at all. If she asked for a go kart, she'd have one by the end of the day. <laughs> Things have changed a little, <laughs> just a little. So, okay, so you go, you've got karting. Now you make the jump to open wheel, and you you had spent some time in radical radical and and Miata series as well. But I, you know, and I think 
I think the biggest jump to me, at least is always going to, you know, more of a, a junior formula series or, you know, the road to Indy. I think those are, that's a big jump. How, what, what was that like for you? And even your family too. Like, I mean, you're traveling the world at this point to pursue your dream. I mean, what, what does the family dynamic look like? What is that transition like for you? It was, it was huge transition also because I just like, I went from, from karting to having like two test days to start Maza in, in single seaters. And I was still like finishing school. So just traveling back and forth with sometimes it was my dad, sometimes my mom, because they, they still had to work <laughs> full time. Uh, so it was, it was really tough to combine both once I graduated and I was given the opportunity to pursue this as, as a career, it was a little bit better. But again, you know, you have, you, you start to get all this responsibility. I had to move away from home, uh, not knowing anybody. Um, you know, you're under 21 and you cannot rent a, a car anywhere. Um, or back, back then you couldn't. Um, and, and it's, the logistics side of, of things it, it gets complicated as well as you know the level in in the US in um, in Europe is, is extremely high and compared to like our countries where where motorsports is not so not so well known but that first jump was was really high like uh, from from karting to star Mazda uh, without having that much test days. Um, I think I, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier. Um, the physicality of things, the way you sit in the car, uh, you know, the gears, the, the preparation, it's very, very dif different than, than karting. You know, you go maybe to train in the same track that you're going to race at in karting, like the weekend before or even a couple of days before the race and that's allowed and it's it's all good and all of a sudden you just go there and you have like two sessions and qualifying and that's the race and it's it's a big jump uh to make so um, so it was tough at the beginning but i think uh that makes you a, a better driver you dig deeper and and you you try and fix all the things that that you need for for the next uh, race and and i think that's has kind of been my my approach like i i love challenges and uh and i'm glad that i have you know moved move through different countries and ways of people like the way they treat you in in europe in us in japan in asia it's very different uh, and you have to get to to work your mind around it and um i i think i'm a better person and driver because of that how i mean it's hard it's hard for an adult to travel to to another country like that or to a different culture and even spend a week on vacation i mean you're you're 21 years old traveling the world living in another country and another culture like how did you how did you adapt to that in such a lone wolf environment i mean you're a driver's on their own i mean you've got your team but you know i don't i don't think mm -hmm. the other 19 drivers are out trying to help you connect with the community and and whatnot so yeah and even inside your team you still have to fight for what you want you know it's it's, it's a tough world but um i guess 
once you want something so badly, of course, you, you know, it, it was very challenging, just the, the cultural change, just uh, not having your parents cook for you and do all the things that they do for you. And, and on top of that, to adapt to all the changes in, in the racing was really tough, like particularly the first couple of years uh, to understand a different culture and get to know all the new tracks and you know the winter here in Europe was tough so you start to the physical side as well and you don't know anybody time changes so you don't have any friends because or you can't talk to your family they're not awake because it's uh you know all all of those things um are really tough uh but at the end I think it's it makes you better. Um, you don't see it straight away. You, you see it later. But uh, yeah, it was one of the toughest things for me were those first years where, where I moved away and I was alone. Um, then after I, I got my sister living with me and being my representative and my manager. But the first few years I, I was on my, on my own with, with my dad only like traveling. Uh, but, but yeah, you 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 have to be tough <laughs> so 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 paula was traveling with you and i i i going going somewhere i just i think that you know as a, as a dry as a young person traveling the world and 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 motorsports you know it's a really really competitive environment and i think you know even professionally having people that are around you that you trust and almost that you can unload to and vent on is important. Um, I mean, how how important has her involvement been and in, in you kind of acclimating and just coping? I wouldn't be here without their support. Like, like you said, you know, my sister has been fundamental because I know she has my best interests at heart. And, you know, this is a very... It can be a very lonely uh, world uh, full of sharks because there are a lot of interest, a lot of money in this business. Um, politics, you know, are are tough in the sport more than in others, I would say. Um, I so it 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 can be very very difficult. But I'm so happy that you know I have somebody that trusts me, that knows what I'm capable of, that always wants the best for me looks out for me. Uh, I know that with a look, she knows if I'm good, if I'm bad, what I need. Like, you know, we communicate in the, uh, I think I ask her more questions than my engineer because, you know, sometimes you, you just want to know uh, what is missing. And, and she, she gives me a, a couple of, you know, signs that we already had spoken before, just to see how, how things are um and it's it's great to to have you know your best friend as well and another woman in motorsport uh traveling everywhere around with with you and living the dream you know it's it's crazy that i've been in so many places and it's always thanks to 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 my family down down at the, at the end uh, we take the decisions together that's my management team <laughs> and and I'm very proud to uh, to have done what we have done uh, as a family. I mean, at your at your level, is Paula the manager, the coach, the the friend? I mean, is she everything, or you're 
are your parents involved in it as well? Yeah, my sister, she's in everything. Obviously, my, my parents are very involved as well. And it doesn't mean that I haven't had advice from, from the outside. So I'm, I'm part of Escuria Telmex. Um, they are like, they represent uh, Sergio Perez and a lot of Latin American talent. And they have people looking out for you and giving you great advice as well on, on what to do, where to go talk to these teams or that and of course we have advice from from them um but essentially it's it's always been down to to us the final decision and it's it's nice that we haven't had to to go somewhere else for uh, to achieve our dreams and our our goals so uh, that makes it more special so you've had you've had the experience of racing and the top of almost every food chain in motorsports. I mean, what Formula Three, G, the GP series, F2, F1, Formula E, IndyCar. I mean, how how different is the drivability of each of these cars? Oh, it is so different. <laughs> so <laughs> honestly, sometimes I, I wish like I had a little bit more continuity in, in my career. You know, I jumped from IndyCar to which you use fires and tires, uh, very like a heavy car, but it has a lot of uh, mechanical grip. And then you go to Formula Two, it has Pirelli tires and is a very different style to drive. Uh, the same like when you go to, to Formula E, to, uh, to any car, any series, really, it's, it's very specific, but um, I'm really happy to have had done so many and to have that experience to, you know, I was in Super Formula I, um, for two years, another amazing car and championship that not many people know about, but it's, I think, the closest uh, car to Formula One these days uh, with the amount of downforce they have. And to work with Japanese people that speak very little English, uh, that was very challenging as well. But yeah, I think um, that has made me a really complete driver because I have had to adapt to know different circuits, um, different types of communication with everybody in, in around the world. Uh, so I I think I handle pressure much better now thanks to thanks to that and and I can adapt quicker to certain uh, situations thanks to that and and the World Endurance Championship I did as well the 24 hours of Le Mans uh, one of the most amazing races that if you ever have a chance to go it's it's incredible um, so yeah I think that has made me a I'm a pre it's a privilege to have driven so many series and in so many countries. What series aside, team aside, people aside, what's been your favorite car to drive? I mean, nothing compares to a Formula One car, obviously. Uh, that thing is just, you know, it took me like three years to not chase the same. I like nothing. Everything felt bad after that. <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's like, okay, but this has no grip. And everyone's like, <laughs> with this car has amazing grip i'm like he has nothing compared to a formula one car it's insane the the speeds um the uh the g-forces that go through your body um the amount of grip the braking is just unbelievable i think that and super formula are are the the most 
incredible cars to drive in in my opinion what's been the hardest car to drive or oh, yeah, the, the hardest say, to kind of get your head around the indycar it's very tough like the level uh, the tracks you know you i i think detroit you barely see because it's so bumpy mm-hmm. and to have confidence with that car to you know to throw it through the walls and uh and and push the car so much uh, during two and a half hours sometimes it's i think it's the toughest thing i've done um that's that's in the car <laughs> so okay so you you've done actual multiple series in a season how hard is it to transition from say indie car to formula two like how how difficult it is it to to change your brain and you know how the car behaves through corners and straights and bumpiness well it's um it was a huge change and a huge challenge and i think thanks to all that i have what i have done before it, it prepared me better but of course you know when when you want to be on top you gotta be there since the beginning because you have very little practice time um, in Formula Two or in any other series to really, you know, compare to today, like to, to people that have been there for, for many years or for the whole season to, to um, shorten the gap, it's, it's very difficult. But um, there are certain specific things that, that you have to start to, um, yeah, to maybe work in the simulator so that they become more natural because when you think you go slower and certain tires, you know, they they like certain style um, of driving and, and you need to sort of try and fit that style. Um, and, and this takes time. So it, it's been really, really difficult to go back to, for example, in with the Pirelli tires, you you do a warm up lap, then you push. You have to cool down. You push again, so you're not not really in a rhythm. Like in IndyCar, you just have to push like crazy <laughs> to get the tires in. Um, it's a very different procedure. So just to work your to get your head around it, it's tough in in a very um, very small window of time. Uh, but but I think I'm pleased with what I've shown and with my progress. Um, and hopefully there is more to come in the last race that now that I have time to, you know, evaluate and and reflect on what I need to change to to be more competitive. You've been I mean, you've been you've been a test or development driver as well, like. I think for the audience and for fans, like what is that role actually? Yeah, I think I, I'm super grateful because, you know, as a driver, you always dream to be part of a Formula One team. And I was there for four years. They, they were like my family. I got along so well with all the engineers uh, at, at Sauber. And I did a lot of simulator work with them. So they, they test a lot of things to put into the, into the real car. Uh, I, I was doing that for them, the, the same work. Um, I went to a lot of races 
to listen to what the drivers say in the debrief because you have like 30 engineers working in Formula One for more uh, for one car for two cars so all of a sudden you expect to give feedback from so many different things in Formula One so just to have a view of what it's available in terms of, of sensors of uh, of things that can bring performance that maybe you don't have access to in, in other series because the technology in Formula One is, is incredible. So I was I was going there listening to what they had to say. Um, and then I tested uh, <laughs> so for the first time to, to compare it with uh, with the virtual world was also quite quite cool. Um, so that was basically a bit um, the job, just the simulator. Uh, going to to the races with the team and and testing the car. So so the the driver will identify some sort of behavior in the car that they don't like or that they need fixed, and then you work with the engineers to help solve that as as a scalable solution too. Exactly, because these days uh, testing in the actual track is so limited in Formula One that the simulator work it's extremely important just to know okay we if this happens we have a backup plan and we have tested like you know you do more than 200 laps sometimes in the simulator and and they just measure everything ask for your feedback and and they have a better idea of how to fix certain issues when when they go on track um and when they have that one and a half hours only of of track time how close is that simulator to the actual car? Um, there's nothing like reality, <laughs> but but they're getting quite good. Like you know, the changes that you make in the simulator, you you can feel and they can actually like translate depending on conditions to to the real track. But I'm maybe from a different generation. For me, it's still still a bit far. Um, <laughs> To say that that you're driving a Formula One car, yeah. you know that feeling of um, through your like the, the G forces that go through your body and and to feel it on uh, on your on everything on with your hands with everything it's it's uh, only only reality. Do you? I mean, so theoretically, if you. If you do 200 laps in a sim on a track you've never been on, can you jump in the car and know where the grip is and where the racing lines are? And I mean, does it help that much? It does help a lot to um, just to really know, you know, where you're going, have a bit of a reference. You you cannot fully trust all the time the simulator and like conditions. They like you know you go to a to a track one day at one hour at like at 1 p.m. and the next day at 1 p.m. the same car doesn't work uh, so you have to be and your breaking points are not the same but it really does help to to get you up to speed quicker like to shorten the time that you need to discover the track the simulator can can really help that and and particularly I think also the that the engineer can see you drive see a little bit your style and the communication with them um that's that's what i think it's most important 
in, in, in the simulator um, to build that relationship with your engineer because you don't have that much time in the track or uh, at the racetrack to, to build on that. What, so what, what is, what's something that nobody fan-wise would know about you? Like what's, what's one of those obscure things about you that, that fans would want to know that they don't know today? I'm very shy, but no, they, they, I think they already know that. Um, I sing, uh, I like singing. Okay. <laughs> but no, like, I don't know. I, I'm really open on, on what I think and, and how I feel, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I did you, is that how you connected to your engineers in Japan? Did you go karaoke. karaoke with them? They were close because it was COVID, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we, yeah, sadly, I, I, my Japanese is very limited and their English was very limited, but no, yeah, we, we had a, a great time in Japan, uh, but I, I still have to go back to try their karaoke because we didn't really, uh, with COVID, we, we were not allowed in. <laughs> I, I, I just don't connect a shy person and a singer at all. Cause... No, but I'm only singing when I'm alone at home. Okay, okay. <laughs> That's the thing. I cannot sing in public and I don't want it to rain where you are. So... Um, and I don't want it to rain here either. But yeah, since um, I got a new sponsor, which is, she, her name is Carol G. Okay. She's a Colombian artist. And uh, I love her songs. And uh, since then, I, I, I try to sing a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Does she help you? She's incredible. Like she, I lost my, my sponsor or my driving in the car. Uh -huh. And thanks to her and a couple of other um, companies that decided to to support me um, to not be at home sitting for six months. Uh, that's thanks to her that I'm racing back in Formula Two. And she wanted to send this message, you know, of uh, women empowerment. So I'm 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 really great grateful for uh, she believing in me and and giving me this chance. So, okay. So that, that's an area that I, okay. So if you, if you heard my podcast with Italiano, like I think just the, the sheer amount of financial obligations that a driver has until you get to, you don't get paid till you hit the top, you know? And so you have to have sponsors, investors, family money, whatever that is to, to get to that point. And you see so much talent not actually be able to make it because of lack of funds. You, you saw it in USF 2000 this year too with Miles. You know, he was leading the championship and ran out of money. And at the last second, AJ Foyt came in. I, I think that's who it was, came in and kind of helped support him to, to finish the year out. How, I mean, how does that impact you as a driver? I mean, you're, you're at the top and... I mean, do you see this coming? And is, is Paula out, you know, kind of shaking bushes for sponsors while it's happening or? All the time, like 
she's always looking for partners because that's the name of the game unfortunately like you know the more the more sponsors you get the more track time the better possibilities to go to good team um the more you can prepare your season the more simulator you can do like it just is sadly mostly about how much sponsorship you can raise um to uh, to continue racing so that's something that we have learned along the way and i think i i also learned to not get frustrated because sometimes you know you want the best result you want to win but sometimes you're um you don't have the means to go win but you i'm still you have to be grateful you have to accept what you have and make the most out of it and focus on on getting yourself better so that when you get a a great opportunity or an opportunity to show people what you can do then you're you're ready but it's in a way a very frustrating uh sport in that sense because it mm not only depends on on you but on on very different factors that you don't control like the sponsorship side and uh, it's it's a, a game that never stops and and it's part of a big part of our job nowadays um to find to be mark uh, a good marketing tool at, at the end and to to be really open to um to find the, the companies that that support who you are and and that want to give you the opportunity do you do you find that it's i mean you're you're one of like two racers that are you know at that level i mean do you find it easier to find sponsors or is it harder to find sponsors the higher you go, the more expensive things start to get. So the more difficult it becomes, actually. Um, and, you know, it's we've done a bit of research and about all the sponsorship um, in sport, only 1% goes to female athletes. Mm. So although you would think that you get more attention, you're the only one, mm. um, would we, we want more obviously but that gives more attention but to find the sponsors has not been easy i mean it's a very regardless of your gender of course but those numbers really are really scary and i think that's that we need to to start changing uh for other like for companies to to really believe in in female talent as well more um i truly believe that's that's the way to go and um the way i got my opportunity in formula one was because there was a female team principal that gave me that opportunity mm-hmm. um now you know the the example of of carol g um in rich in richard meal team as well it was a woman who gave us a chance to compete and they were all super surprised of how good we we could be so um it's about finding those opportunities, uh, changing people's perceptions and helping each other at the end. It's what will bring us to the next level, but it's it's a, a very challenging um, time in, in a way and challenging uh, to find all the sponsors. I mean, how important is marketing in, in that process? I mean, you have a pretty robust social media. I mean. Are you constantly sending messages and 
Yeah, my sister helps a lot with that. But the sponsorship, you know, I would say that before, you know, you would I always obviously focus on my performance and training and everything. But if you don't have sponsors, you don't go racing. That's so you have to spend a lot of time uh, creating creating content and and making sure that you're attractive to to new partners and actively search for them because at the end that's that's what will get you raising what what's your ultimate goal i mean is it formula one yeah i I would be lying if i said no that of course not but yeah i i still believe i can make it and i can be competitive in formula one uh, but the, at the end of the day, it's it's down to opportunity, and I I love racing. So as long as I can be racing, I'll be super happy. But of course, my ultimate goal continues to be Formula One. So okay, so if if Susie and Toto called you and Andretti called you and said, "We got a seat for you," you know it, and we're going to pay you to drive for who'd you pick? You mean between Formula One and IndyCar? Yeah, at the top of the food chain. Okay. <laughs> it depends how competitive the. You mean a Mercedes? To drive a Mercedes? Drive a Mercedes, a, drive an IndyCar. Go sit next to Colton. I would pick a Formula One, of course, just because I haven't done it. I would pick. I would pick that too. <laughs> What what's the hardest thing you've had to overcome in your career in motorsports? Um, twenty nineteen was the most difficult year of my career because I I lost my teammate in the terrible accident in Spa, mm-hmm. and it made me question a lot of things, and I wasn't getting the results I wanted on or I thought I deserved. And uh, I think I was not enjoying racing as much because of that pressure. So it was good in a way because I realized that, you know, we're, we never know when our last day is going to be and you better enjoy what you're doing. So I think my approach to racing changed a lot on that year. And that has been like the most difficult time of my career and my personal life. So um I'm a better person and a better driver because of, of that, but it was very, very difficult because you never expect that to happen so close to you, uh, to somebody that you you care about so much. So um, that was a very difficult time in in my life. How, how did you overcome that? Like, how did you get to a point where it's like, yeah, I'm still going to push this thing to the limits of its capabilities and and not be not live in fear yeah I think I I never really had fear I had more respect for what I do and with my competitors um I think fear obviously to not perform was what was stopping me (laughs) which uh it, it shouldn't be there and at the end of the day I that's when I started to change my approach and I I said like regardless to where I get to I want to enjoy every time I'm on track and the only way to to succeed to be good uh, to get a good result is when you focus on on yourself on enjoying that's when when you shine the most so um, 
of course it took I think it was great that we had a, the, the, the pandemic because I had time to to reflect to get it out of my my chest to disconnect for a little while of from racing uh -huh. um, to miss racing and I think that really helped me understand what I was going through I think that's such great hope that you provide in that. I mean, I, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, I was watching the, the chase, the dream and that particular episode when that occurred, you know, and they were interviewing you and you were obviously emotional and, you know, my, it, my daughter is not a race car driver, you know, she's, she's more of an artist and, you know, but she, she loves racing because I love racing and, you know, and she sits with me through all these racing shows that I watch, but that episode, she, she had a lot of questions to ask. And I, you know, obviously I want to have her listen to this, but I think it's a level of hope that you can provide people because I, I think it's a, it's a trait that our generation has lost. It's like, life is tough, man, but it's hard, you know, and you have to remain focused and, you know, you got to, you got to get back up when you you get knocked over and I, it was just a really powerful episode I'm, i think I'm glad. i haven't been able to watch it just because i get emotional every time uh, but it's so true you know it's we never know when when things can can go wrong or if we are gonna be here tomorrow so we spend too much time worrying about what people think, uh, what we will do tomorrow that we forget we are, we have here and we have today and right now. And, uh, and I try, even it happens to me sometimes, but you have to, to enjoy the moment and enjoy what you're doing the, in your daily life. Cause that's the only way you can, you can get better and you can um, enjoy the present. Well, I just personally, I thank you for being authentic. I know it's hard to do that. So, you know, for whatever that's worth, you know, keep, keep up the, the authenticity and that. So, so switching gears too, I, I don't want to take a lot of time on this. I don't want this to like always be the defining factor of your conversation, but you know, women in motorsports, you, you've mentioned this a couple of times as we've been talking of just the the challenge it is and i think i think everyone sees it and to me i think nobody knows what to do with it and and so i think you know for me the entrepreneur in me is always find solutions you know kind of fix problems rather than band-aid them or fix fix symptoms versus the actual problem and so you know i've i've kind of written pretty extensively about just the mechanics of this and, you know, keeping it as a meritocracy and, and whatnot. But, you know, what, I mean, what do you think the solution to, to this is ultimately at the end of the day? There is no one answer. Like, I wish I had the, the answer, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's great that we are talking about it because you know, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I don't want to talk about it because I want to be treated equally and I don't want to show any like weakness or like that I care or not. But I think that was wrong. Um, you know, at the end of the day, there is an issue. 
because we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't. So you gotta talk about the issues for people to understand what's going wrong. And I think obviously it starts from, from karting, from education, from giving the same opportunity for a girl to discover karting than they give a boy. Um, that's the first thing. But then, you know, there are a lot of things in the sport that still need to change, like, um, like in the design of the cars with our measurements, um, the way, you know, we think, we act, we feel our bodies are different with uh, how we, uh, you know, gain, gain muscle. Um, there are a lot of the way we think and we approach um, racing or qualifying sessions. So I think there's a lot of education that still needs to be uh, addressed for us to, to have the same chances as the guys. And of course, you know, opportunities, because for some reason, there's still like, you know, there's a lot that have been, everybody talks about inclusion and equality and equity with boards, but I don't feel like a lot has, has been really done. So to have good opportunities to show our talent is still missing. So I, I'm going to tread lightly here. Um, so I've, I've worked for, for entrepreneurs for most of my career. So I've worked with very kind of, I've worked with people that want results and actions and they don't care what you have to say. And so, you know, if, if I'm hearing you right, I'm hearing like, you know, talk is one thing, action is another thing. Like, do you, do you feel like there's, there's a ton of talk happening? Do you feel like there's action happening from that talk or is the, is the talk just to kind of simmer everybody down that we're, we're trying here? Yeah, I think there's not enough being done. I, I, um, that's my feeling from the, from the inside, really. I, so, so motorsports is a business, you know, and it's in, in, you know, I, my day job is I run a tech company and and everything is a, is a business model. If it's not a business model that's viable on paper, it won't be viable in the real world. And I think when when starting a new idea or a new business, you have to arrive at a at a profitable business model before you can start create a product, put it to market, or whatnot. I. I think that the conversation is really important to have. So the powers that be have that aha moment when it clicks of like, here's the actual problem and, and, and here's the solution. So, so that the, the field gets equalized, you know, and I, and I think equalizing it on a meritocracy is really important for what they're doing because I, you know, while I appreciate the W series, you know, and, and what it is, I, I feel like the separation from F2 and, you know, and F3 creates a, I don't know, an, a disconnected bridge between, you know, W series going to formula one. I mean, have you ever considered W series? 
never. <laughs> it was, it's not in my DNA, you know, I don't feel like we need a different treatment uh, in terms of, or that we need a separate series. We just need the right opportunities and uh, the right people with open minds to give us what we need to perform. Uh, we don't need, you know, at the end, you need to compete against the best to be one of the best because that's when you're under pressure and having to deliver more. That's when you give your best. And that happens when, when we are in a mixed um, scenario and in, in Formula 3, in, in Formula 2, exposed to the highest level, of course, giving their the right equipment because otherwise you know you we are, i feel like we're always being judged uh, but people don't know the whole story uh the the testing that is behind it so I, I i feel like yeah we we haven't been giving the right the the right opportunities and i wish that with all that money that was invested in something different that we could have provided proper opportunities for other girls. I'm still grateful that, you know, there are a lot of girls that can be racing at this, uh, at the moment. But to me, it, it seems like if the champion was not able to progress to Formula 3, there's something wrong again. But still, there's something that we are not doing right. I I actually, I had a, I had a, somebody asked me the question, you know, Quora is a question answer site. You know, you people ask questions. It's kind of like a really refined kind of creators Reddit. And, and so, you know, there, there were a lot of questions coming around to me about just this, this particular issue at hand. And, you know, and I just, to me, I think if, if the, the powers that be at W series would, would have taken those resources and created a, an F3 and an F2 team as a platform for those drivers that it would be more meaningful. I think, you know, if, if you have a team with resources on a very focused and defined mission and they have the equipment and the resources to win races, would you have your answer? You know, if, if, Tatiana can come into Formula Two on a W Series own team and win the championship. Well, you're you're worthy of that position, and you're worthy to take the next step to Formula One because you are competing, you know, against the best. I, I it's such a hard topic to say because it's like, what are you saying? W Series is bad. It's like, I don't know. I just. <laughs> It's great. I mean, you provide people a platform that they otherwise wouldn't have, but I agree with you. I think, you know, if you're, if you're not arriving in formula two, formula three, formula four, then, you know, is it, is it a, a talent problem or a resource problem? And, you know, and I think that's an entirely different set of issues that everyone deals with, which obviously solves it itself. What, what's been your pinch me moment? I mean, you've been, you've been you've been everywhere in motorsports. Like what, at what point were you like, I can't even believe that I'm here. Like, I can't even believe I'm experiencing this. I think I know the answer already, but. <laughs> yeah, Formula One, definitely. Like, you know, it's like, am I part of a Formula One team? And then I'm testing a Formula One car and it's a dream of 15 years of work that 
I hope I'm ready for. <laughs> so that was like definitely one of those pinch me moments um, that I will never forget and the best experience in my life by far for sure. So yeah, never be, be afraid of sometimes what you dream because it can become reality. <laughs> well, okay. So, so you're, you're in there, you're testing a Formula One car. You're in a highly competitive environment. I mean, are you trash talking the other drivers? Like, Hey, I'm coming for your seat. Like, um, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to drop a lap time faster than both of you guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming for you. I've always been super, you know, I focus on my own and I know that if I do the job, uh, I don't need to talk <laughs> or scare anybody else. <laughs> I know the, the stopwatch and what I say with the engineers and how I, that's, that's my best weapon, I think. Um, I, I mean, I mean, then, being playful. I don't mean like uh, legitimately, I, like I'm here to ruin your career. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know, you, you make yourself noticeable so yeah. that they, it's good because I feel like, you know, whenever I go to a series and they don't smile at you initially is because they fear that you may be coming. You, you are a rival. And I love feeling like, lonely in a way because you know you're you're a threat to them so um whenever I don't have that then then I worry because <laughs> it means I have to prove that I'm I'm there to take their seats but um yeah I, I all my talking in a way I do at the track um that's that's how I've always try to look at things I always ask every guest because this is the number one question that I get asked on Cora bar none it's i'm four years old 14 years old 40 years old and i want to be a formula one or indycar driver you know can i do it you you obviously have a very unique vantage point than i would or anyone else how, how would you answer that question i believe that you can achieve anything you put your mind into like when i look back that nine-year-old girl that grew up watching Formula One in Colombia, watching Montoya on the TV. And uh, 20 years later, I'm racing against him um, at the same, in the same track, same time. Um, I believe anything is possible and it's, it's obviously hard work, but when you know what you want, you go with everything you have and you go for it. And I believe anything is possible. Those are amazing words. Tatiana, thank you so much for coming on here. You are not a shy person. You're a very articulate, well-spoken person. And I, this is such a great episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Ryan. It was nice to see you after St. Pete and, and talk to you. <laughs> and I hope we can, we can repeat uh, another track. Um, moment. So uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for, for taking the time and sharing my story. Thank you.